From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, July 22nd. In a promotional video for luxury rail service Rocky Mountaineer, familiar Red Rock vistas are sweeping across the frame. An extraordinary place deserves an extraordinary way to see it. There's Delicate Arch, Mesa Arch, some desert towers, all popping up as the Canadian-based company promotes their newest train route, Rockies to the Red Rocks. To the mesmerizing Red Rock landscapes that twist through the bright blue sky. It's rail travel at its best. According to Rocky Mountaineer's website, tickets from Denver to Moab with an overnight in Glenwood Springs begin at $1,000. This August promotional price will get you glass-domed viewing coaches, gourmet meals, and presentations relevant to the surrounding landscape. The luxury rail experience plans to start service in just under a month, as soon as August 15th. But a question lingers, one that has dogged locals since Rocky Mountaineer first made their new rail line announcement last year. Without a train station or even an elevated platform in Moab, how and where will they unload passengers? I see these beautiful canyon rims. I mean, I bet this would be pretty wild to be dropped off (laughs) right here. I'm walking along the train tracks north of Highway 313 and just west of Highway 191. This place is my best guess as to where Rocky Mountaineer will unload and load their passengers. It's apparently Grand County's best guess too, because according to the county attorney's office, Rocky Mountaineer has not shown them their plans. All of this came up recently in court documents. So there's a tiny road that I'm walking down now, basically a dirt road with some tire tracks on it. It kind of comes off 313 to the north, so this is where I'm assuming the passenger drop-off will be, somewhere in this general vicinity. On July 1st, Rocky Mountaineer filed a complaint with the U.S. District Court, saying they are not subject to local rules, like going through a permit process with Grand County for their pickup and drop-off location. They say they are leasing property off Highway 313 from Union Pacific and Intrepid Potash, and any requirements Grand County might have for this area are preempted by federal law. According to Rocky Mountaineer's legal team, the 1995 Interstate Commerce Commission Termination Act prevents local laws from regulating railroad transportation. Grand County doesn't see it that way. Yesterday, they filed a response to Rocky Mountaineer's complaint. They want the luxury rail line to complete a conditional use permit under Grand County Code to address several health and safety requirements for their unloading area. This includes a site plan showing where the company's buses picking up passengers would turn around, any surface modifications they plan to do, as well as implications for drainage. In their court documents, Rocky Mountaineer indicated that Union Pacific will add gravel to the leased parcel to level the highway access and accommodate buses for passenger pickup and drop-off. Luxury rail line employees will then install temporary signage and carpeting for the passengers. They say both the signage and the carpet will be removed once passengers are offloaded. But Grand County Attorney Christina Sloan says the stakes are bigger than a bit of gravel and some carpet. That's because she argues there is no federal agency reviewing Rocky Mountaineer's improvements for health and safety. These are the purview of state and local governments, she says, for a reason. 
locals can be really helpful because they're the boots on the ground. They're the building inspectors. There's the road supervisor, county engineer who will review drainage um, and require certain culverts. And the initial plans by Rocky Mountaineer are quite simple, but it is envisioned that they will improve that their business venture is successful. It's a luxury rail line. Uh, the tickets are outrageously expensive. Right now, that's, you know, essentially a dust bowl dirt flat piece of land. And so the stakes are not just to defend our current authority to regulate access and drainage, but it's also into the future, um, you know, additional health and safety concerns related to ADA access, building requirements, fire code, all of that. Sloan emphasizes that Grand County is excited about the passenger train service to Moab, but they need guidance from the court on whether local regulations are preempted by federal law in this scenario. The county is very excited about this project. We're very excited about it from an economic development standpoint. We're very excited about it um, in terms of a new service and transportation into Grand County. But Rocky Mountaineer has been very difficult. And so we actually went through our land use code and there are 16 permitting requirements for train terminals and looking at the case law um, and conceding that our authority is limited to health and safety review, we reduced the 16 requirements down to seven. Three of those are just asking for statements that certain requirements don't apply. So there are really four requirements um, requested of Rocky Mountaineer, and they've refused to comply with those. And so part of what's happening here is we're getting more of this train activity. We haven't seen it before in Grand County. We haven't had to address this preemption issue. A spokesperson at Rocky Mountaineer told KZMU News they are unable to comment on an ongoing legal matter. Tickets for the new Denver to Moab route are still available, and the company has not indicated that their complaint will affect the August 15th start date. Both parties have asked the U.S. District Court for an expedited review. The proposal to create a civilian climate corps is moving forward in both chambers of Congress. On Tuesday, 80 congressional representatives signed on to a letter urging the inclusion of the CCC in legislation to determine next year's national budget. Shannon Young, with our partners at KGNU, has more. The Civilian Climate Corps calls for a New Deal-style jobs program to combat the climate crisis. Senator Chris Coons of Delaware says it draws on the history of the New Deal, as well as the modern-day structure of AmeriCorps. As our nation was coming out of the Great Depression, President Roosevelt created the WPA and the first CCC. And these created opportunities, pathways to tackle urgent needs in our society and country at that point in time. So too now, as we begin to come out of the COVID pandemic, we can turn to an existing, trusted nationwide platform for us to make real the bold vision of the CCC, the new Civilian Climate Corps. The platform I'm talking about is AmeriCorps, 25 years old, currently serving in every single state and territory in our country, with 75,000 AmeriCorps members who've responded to the pandemic, who've helped respond to hunger and to joblessness, to the opioid crisis and to other challenges facing our country. One of the CCC's biggest proponents in Congress has been Joe Neguse of Colorado's 2nd District. He wants to take what worked from the original New Deal era model while correcting its deliberate exclusion of women and people of color. Uh, one of the original Civilian Conservation Corps camps is in my district uh, in Colorado. I had a chance to tour it not that long ago. Uh, it's not lost on me that someone who looks like me 
wouldn't necessarily have been able to participate in the program of the 1930s, which was, uh, which excluded uh, a vast majority of our society. And I think the focus on equity and equality and uh, the, the focus, I think, that permeates all of our different proposals to try to recruit uh, minorities and, and women and a broad spectrum of Americans into this program is what makes this so exciting. Raging wildfires across the West underscore the urgency of land stewardship. Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon says that if the Civilian Climate Corps existed today, its members could get to work immediately to clear out the wreckage of past wildfires, which currently pose risks. Now today in Oregon, there are millions of acres of dead materials in our forest that are a magnet for catastrophic fire. It is the same thing in Colorado. It's the same thing all over the West. These are dangerous, unnaturally thick fuels. And if we go in there and clear them out, we can protect our communities. Unlike its predecessor, the proposal for the modern CCC includes plans for urban residents as well. People from communities like mine in the South Bronx do not enter AmeriCorps, not because they don't want to serve, but because they can't afford to serve. New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says around half of the 1.5 million jobs the program aims to create will be for city dwellers. That is how we're going to combat this and combat it together. 50 percent, 50 percent of our funding is uh, going to making sure that this is not just going to our national parks and funding uh, Climate Corps members to our national parks, but in urban communities as well to face environmental injustices. And so we're not just having half of that investment going to underserved communities, but recruiting people from underserved communities in order to serve and restore our land. The representatives speaking at Tuesday's press conference seemed confident the Civilian Climate Corps measure would pass within the budget reconciliation bill. Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez said it wasn't a matter of if, but how. For the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition and KGNU, I'm Shannon Young. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, July 22nd. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.